You're listening to the Conversations with Kids Peace podcast. Advice, information, and inspiration from experts at the leading provider of mental and behavioral health services for children, adults, and those who love them. Now, here's your host. Hello, and welcome to our podcast series, Conversations with Kids Peace. I'm Bob Martin. If you were to say the words sex trafficking to someone a few years ago, they might have assumed you were talking about something happening in another country or in another part of the world. But today there's a growing realization that sex trafficking, and specifically the commercial sexual exploitation of children, is a problem not just elsewhere in the world, but right in our own communities as well. And it's a problem that must be confronted for the sake of its victims. In the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania, Kids Peace is partnering with a community coalition to provide help to victims of sex trafficking, cope with the trauma they've experienced, and find ways to build new lives. On this podcast, we have two guests with us. Christy Dominguez, who is a clinician at Kids Peace, who is also president of the Valley Against Sex Trafficking Coalition, and Dominic DeSalvo, Senior Director of Clinical Services in Kids Peace Residential Treatment. Welcome to you both. Good to be here. Christy, we're going to start with you. Uh, Valley Against Sex Trafficking, or Mm -hmm. VAST, this is a community coalition here in the Lehigh Valley on this issue. What are the organizations and groups that are part of the coalition, and what are some ways that they're working in concert Mm -hmm. with each other on this issue? Yeah, at this point, I feel like who is not part of the coalition is a better question. Um, we, in in the coalition, in the, in the professional community, uh, Turning Point, Crime Victims Council, Kids Peace, Lehigh County Drug and Alcohol have really been coming around us and leading the way in setting goals and benchmarks for us to begin addressing this issue of human trafficking from a really unified community response, having a protocol that we would all follow, and all being on the same page about the importance of trauma-informed care and really identifying gaps and not necessarily filling the gaps, but bridging over them and recognizing that they're there. Um, on, on the other hand, we're also, I like that you called us the community coalition, because we're not just a task force, we also engage the broader community of people who have multiple and diverse talents and skills and passions, and we also engage those individuals as well. Um, in doing canvassing and raising awareness and and bringing this information to their their faith groups or to their their mom groups or whoever really will listen um, at the, like I said at this point it's who's not who's not part of the coalition <laughs> now how did this coalition come about originally mm-hmm. so this really started as a, a very grassroots movement uh, to licensed clinical social workers from the valley were were learning about sex trafficking and we're learning that this is not taken this is not a hollywood film this is actually really something that's happening and and it's alive in most of our communities and really beginning to identify what that looks like in the lives of the people in our communities and as they begin to identify that here in the valley they began um, raising awareness holding community forum meetings for people to talk about this and learn about it training law enforcement connecting with homeland security in our area and slowly this this movement of just raising awareness and advocating that we pay attention to this issue in our community it, it really turned into it, it turned into identifying victims. And, and now that we're identifying them, what what are we doing to engage them? And how can we really offer service that's going to be relevant and helpful for them? Um, and it just snowballed into eventually we became a 501c3. 
And now we're an advocacy organization that facilitates the community coalition. Now, you mentioned awareness, and that's such a huge thing we talked about in the uh, open of, the, of our podcast here. Mm-hmm. Um, can you describe a situation that, that you've become aware of in the community that would, would be basically tied to mm. sex trafficking or the commercial sexual exploitation of children? Hmm. You mean like a case? Yes. Yeah. So, um, I mean, just very recently, I mean, I can go back and I don't want to give too much of a story, but very recently through our, our more, um, pulling coalition partners closer together, um, Lehigh County, Lehigh County Drug and Alcohol, um, we're trying to assist Valley Youth House with a case in getting, um, you know, some type of drug and alcohol outpatient services. And so they called on VAST because, you know, it's really not the function of any one agency to, to, to coordinate and figure out all these moving pieces. Um, so, so VAST, we've been kind of trying to connect her with community-based resources, getting her connected with a peer mentor, getting her to connected to other services in the coalition. Um, and all of this was before that she, before she could get her hands on um, um, Medicaid to have you know the local local agencies pay for this, so uh, now she's there at the at that point, um, and but this has been an ongoing case of collaboration between three entities, three large entities, and had these individual champions in the agencies in Valley Youth House in the Lehigh County Drug and Alcohol um, and Vast, had we not had this understanding of the type of communication that it is required and the type of collaboration it takes, this individual may have not had. Um, she may have been identified as having some type of sex trafficking activity or background, um, but she may not have had as much of a web of care surrounding her. Um, and so it's not just about raising awareness like, hey, this is happening out here, but hey, this is happening out here, and this is how we need to change our systems to actually show as a community and as a, a wide network of professionals that we care about and, this. And I would assume that in those situations um, – we're seeing absent some of that cooperation, absent mm-hmm. some of that thinking about the, the web of services, right. um, the risk of that individual falling back into mm-hmm. that world mm-hmm. is greater. Absolutely. There are <clears throat> risks and vulnerabilities of falling through the cracks of service and then even falling deeper back into the life that they I think this individual, the activity started when she was very young, like 13 or 14. And so to be 18 and almost aging out of some type of care is very dangerous because she's highly at risk and vulnerable to not just falling through the cracks, but then relying on that way of life until she's in her mid-20s, mid-30s. And, you know, some of the victims and survivors we work with now, they are in their 50s. And they're reflecting back on 30 years of participating in trafficking or being trafficked themselves. Are there similar coalitions to VAST in other communities that you're aware of? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And this is actually a very exciting thing is that regionally there's a Montgomery County Coalition, there's BCAT um, in Bucks County, Bucks County Coalition Against Trafficking. There's a pretty large group out of Philadelphia that's working in a coalition manner. And all of these local coalitions we've been getting together about three times a year and we're trying to figure out how how can we have a greater impact as like a regional network of coalitions and what what can we do with that to make larger systems change change in pennsylvania 
And Dominic, you've been uh, involved, I think, in some some of those discussions as well, right? Yeah, and I think one of the really nice things and great things that VAST and, and the coalition have really started to do is when you look at the idea of trafficking and, and the identification of trafficking victims, it really has been broken down into three parts, which is the prevention. When someone is at risk, how to prevent them from falling into that world. The identification, once someone is presenting as a risk, being able to find someone to be able to adequately assess them. And then the long-term treatment needs for that individual once they have been identified and looking to get out of that world. And the problem in the state has been, even to this day, has been joining those three facets. It's think, trying to find someone to be able to, or find a group, and that's where VAST has come into play a lot, to connect those dots, because we still don't do a very good job of that. I would imagine that um, prior to this sort of awakening of the coalitions, it was really stuck in law enforcement. Law enforcement would come in, they would find that behavior, and then you would kind of not have the right tools in the toolkit to deal with, as you said, mm -hmm. identifying someone who's at risk or helping treat and, and give some hope to people who have been involved with it. So, like you said, it's, it's almost not even just filling mm -hmm. the gaps. It's really putting the entire yeah. picture on mm -hmm. the on the. Uh, on yes. the page. Yeah, their needs are so great and that was that that was the key relationship that <clears throat> propelled the coalition I would say in our area is the the law enforcement and the founders of our movement locally their relationship of law enforcement saying like we're going to get out there we're going to identify this we're passionate about this but we're not social service providers and these women have such immense need and then and then our and then the social workers kind of saying yeah so we can't do this by ourselves either. We need a community of people wrapping around these individuals too. And that's what we see here at Kids Peace too, is really a, a team of people wrapping around one individual and saying, we've, we've got you. Now, um, if someone were listening to this and they said, hey, I'd really like to see if I could start something like that, like mm. VAST in their region, what would be the, the main advice you would give them? I... My, the main advice I would give them is to, and this is super abstract, but follow the synergy of where where are people already talking about this. Um, get ready to have a lot of coffee, a lot of coffee dates, because it takes a lot a lot of pots of coffee with with all the different people talking about this in your area to begin aligning. Where do we have the capacity and resources to start? Maybe you don't have the capacity to start with awareness. Maybe you have that one individual law enforcement who's really excited about identifying some of these cases. Maybe you don't have that. Maybe you have a, a bunch of um, groups of people who just want to like host movie nights and just raise awareness. Hey, this is happening. Hey, this is happening. Just like follow follow where the capacity for it is to start, and it will just begin to unfold as more people. Like they say, build it, build it, and people will come. Get, and, get moving, and, and you've got the right momentum. Yes, yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of momentum, I think mm -hmm. it's really important. You've you mentioned a number of groups um, who are part of the coalition. VAST has received some substantial support from uh, certain community groups mm -hmm. in the area here, the United Way, mm -hmm. uh, the local community foundation. Can you explain what they're funding and what, yeah. what, we're, what the coalition is going to be able to do with that support? Yeah, so Lehigh Valley Community Foundation and Women United have been two of our, our 
grantors, uh, two of our main supporters, not just in granting funds, but in raising awareness alongside of us and using their scope of influence to maximize our our megaphone in a way. Um, So we're really excited with this funding to be able to hire more staff to support more activity um, in the coalition. And we're also excited about being able to do more for Uh, more for survivors in regards to their desire to be advocates and leaders. So right now we're providing seminars and we also, we host a group of survivors who lead and facilitate their own support group. And so we're really excited about getting them them some training and support to be able to lead this movement with us because we really feel like this coalition, it can do great work, but it can do excellent work if it's led by those who have been closest to the pain. And to be able to bring experts in and to be able to bring um, materials and curriculums and um, and provide at our annual retreat that we do for survivors, really provide a lot of community capacity building to strengthen their community so that their community is leading the way in the coalition work. And I can tell you, I, having been to a couple of those presentations, they are absolutely uh, riveting um, you. when you talk to talk to people who have lived this and, mm. and hear their lives and, and realize, and I said in, my, in the opening to the podcast, back in the day, you might have thought sex trafficking is something that happens somewhere else to mm. someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, when you hear about it and you realize these folks are, are part of our community and yeah. they're not that much different than you and I, right. um, and I think that's, that's really important. Yeah, and, and kind of going along that line of the megaphone, and I think mm. you know what I have heard in many of the different you know meetings, even around the counties that I've been at, you know, in the last couple of months, was that one event that Christy and I both sort of jaws dropped during when we were at the United Way, mm. when mm. you know the um, demand, demand abolition, abolition mm-hmm. from Boston came and did an amazing presentation about their work at really looking at ways to look at stopping the demand Mm -hmm. for sex trafficking. And, you know, in that meeting, you know, they set up an operation that was through Backpage.com, which if you don't know what Backpage.com is, it's something that, I mean, everyone is starting to get to know all about. Don't type it in. Yeah, don't type it in. NSFW, I believe, is the phrase Um, people use. So on Backpage.com that day, they set up a fictitious account with our, you know, our law mm-hmm. enforcement that were there that day, and the number of people right here in the mm-hmm. Lehigh Valley that called that day was staggering. I mean, Christy, you remember that phone did yeah, not she stop. She was getting ringing. pinged all morning. Yeah, and it was amazing just to see the technology around. I mean, the one yeah. individual whose Facebook page was brought up with his kids in the background right here in the Lehigh Valley was such a. A, a, a sort of like shocking, shocking hard hitting thing that really has resonated because people still yeah. talk about, you know, that presentation and that group and yeah. how it's filtered down the line yeah. for people who haven't even been there. Right. Not only are there victims here in the valley, there are people victimizing here in the valleys. Right. Right. Good right. Wow. And it is it is eye opening, mm-hmm. um, which is yeah. hardly hardly strong enough to yeah. describe how surprising it is. Yeah. If someone's interested in mm-hmm. information about VAST, what's mm-hmm. the best way mm-hmm. to uh, to find that out? TheVAST.org on our website. Uh, we have links to other websites there. I think we'll also go to DemandAbolition.org. They have a lot of great stats and research. They have a lot of national network resources. And um, also, if you just wanted more direct information tangible, you could email info at TheVAST.org or go to our Facebook. The handle is VAST Coalition. Okay. 
Dominic, I want to turn to you now um, because uh, <laughs> Kids Peace's involvement with the coalition is is very integral, I think, to mm-hmm. certainly the vast folks will tell you that. I want to talk about the enhanced trauma program that you've put together that is designed to help the victims of uh, commercial sexual exploitation of children. The acronym is CSEC. It goes further than traditional treatment to include more life skills development. Why do you feel that that's important for this particular population? Well, I think what we were seeing even before we even had the idea regarding the CSEC program is just mental health treatment when you come to victims of trauma. It, it's great. We want to make sure they have the ability to be able to work through and regain power in their life and be able to tell their story. Um, but what we were finding was a lot of those individuals, especially victims of trafficking, were being led to believe that all they are good for is that abuse, that sex, those types of things. So their self-empowerment, their self-esteem, their ability to see a future for themselves was becoming even more and more limited. And in this day and age when you have social media even becoming more of the cyberbullying and things of that nature, we wanted to give people the ability to truly have skills when they go back home or they go back to their community to live beyond just being a survivor of trafficking, but really becoming a thriver. It's one of the words that I know it's not a real word that we talk about, but truly, you know, my goal when I work with victims of sex trafficking or victims of trauma is to get them from feeling like a victim to a survivor, to being a thriver, feeling that they can thrive in the communities that they go back to. And the life skills opportunity, the community living program that we're developing, really was one of the first steps that we had um, to give them skills such as, you know, how to cook for themselves, you know, what a checkbook is, you know, their idea that they get to control and have their own money for themselves. I mean, many victims of trafficking, even though they may you know, you may see in the media or you may see in Pretty Woman, they get paid hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars. They may see $5 of that per night. And it's a, another mechanism of control the traffickers have. So many of them have never even known what it means to have a, have a job or, or budget or finance and try to give them that empowerment and give them that individuality. And, you know, part of the life skills programming, too, is to, to develop that individuality for them. What is something that they are passionate about. We've had some of our girls who found out that they love, you know, clothes. So we're hoping to eventually see them maybe become the next, um, you know, Giovanni Versace or something. <laughs> you know that they get to be able to go to the New York Fashion Institute or something. You know, we want to find that passion mm-hmm. in them and then give them that ability to not have the people who controlled them for so long and held them back, you know, mm-hmm. not have that control anymore and give them those possibilities. You told me a story, and actually we put it in our uh, uh, Healing Magazine last year when we did, we did the special uh, edition on, on this, um, that was just so striking and really heartbreaking along the lines of what, what, were, what these uh, girls are coming into our tr- program, how they're feeling about themselves. Can you just tell that st- the story of the girl and the T-shirt? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean... <laughs> It was, it was a long time ago when I worked, you know, it was a very difficult case. A young lady had been severely traumatized. We originally had just thought it was just, you know, um, a case of sexual abuse. And it turned out that she had really been a victim of trafficking. 
She was being used in many ways, shapes, and forms. Um, her body was basically becoming, you know, a monetary thing for other people. So when, you know, we were working with her, you know, one of the things that she really kind of hit home for her was one day um, she ran out of clean clothes. This is why she's while she's in our while, our, while, our program. While yeah. she's in the residential program, she had clean. She was out of clean clothes, and she really wanted to go on an activity. So you know, she asked to borrow a clean shirt from one of the other kids. And at that moment, the other kid said, okay, if you do a sex act on me, I will let you borrow clean clothes. And she, in her mind, had no problem with just doing it. It was just normalized for her. And that, you know, and when we talked about it afterwards and when she was finally able to open up and process about it, you know, that was really her turning point where she finally realized, I literally am worth more than a t-shirt. You know, and that ended up being one of the things that we talked about. You know, when, whenever she started feeling down, whenever she started to have struggles, we talked about, you know, remember, you're more than a T-shirt. And that really was a, a sort of a, you know, a grounding technique that really helped her sort of put in perspective everything that she had gone through and now everything that she is willing to go through to get herself help. So when you talk about it from like that motivational, motivational interviewing standpoint, Forever, she was in that pre-contemplative stage of change. She didn't think she had a problem. It wasn't her, you know, her deal. It, she had total control over her life. Nothing was bothering her. And then that moment really led her to be into that contemplative stage of change to realize she had to make a change mm. because her body, to her, and you know, rightfully so, was worth more than a T-shirt. That change is really one of the things you're trying to accomplish through the efforts, um, and you're. You're combining these uh, these these trainings in skills, as you noted, that they're going to need to have a better life. Can you elaborate a little bit more on what kinds of skills you're training them for and how you're going about that? So a lot of the skills that we are trying to train them for are really what everyday individuals take for granted. So what I mean by that is, for instance, you know, I, I think anyone who has grown up knows how to do laundry or anyone knows how to cook themselves an egg or knows how to you know have that individual ability to make that choice and many of these kids who come into our program who have been trafficked were never allowed those opportunities mm -hmm. so just the idea of giving them the ability to cook we did a great job um, you know with them about a year or two ago where they learned how to bake cookies I mean how many people talk about baking cookies with their mom or baking cookies with their grandma and these girls, for the first time, learned how to bake cookies, but then had the ability to then know that those cookies were being delivered to a homeless shelter. So it's that extra step forward of that learning what they could do to help others. And those skills are really important in that empowerment, helping them feel like they have that voice, that ability to do more. I think also just I love that example you gave because it it also starts to bring to light for them the impact that they can have on their community because their community has only impacted them in a negative way. And so this idea of community is a really dangerous dog eat dog world. And really what you're teaching them with baking cookies is you're teaching them their interpersonal strength, that you're teaching them that their power and their their um what their actions do ripple down to, and that's community, is when what you do impacts for good like out there. And I think that's even more of a powerful skill or knowledge base to have about yourself mm -hmm. when, you, when you leave a very protected environment like, a, like the Kids Peace Program. 
and and certainly you know any anything that allows you to believe look there you do have control mm -hmm. of yourself but mm -hmm. also you can have that positive impact yeah. on others has got to be empowering yeah. and 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 reinforcing of the messaging and the lessons that we're trying to impart to them here um dominic what's next for your program where, where, where do we go from here so Right now, we are in the process of expansion. So originally, we brought the Life Skills and Community Living Program really on board to help our female victims of trafficking and trauma in our Pioneer Center. And what has been amazing, Kids Peace has gotten behind that program so much that we are now expanding it into our male programs as well. So by the end of 2018, we are now transitioning to have male trauma and trafficking programs that can help males, not just as well as females, really get the opportunity to be heard, to be able to get their story told, to become that thriver. So, you know, Christy and I have been working hand in hand recently to try to develop a mobile store. So we have recently got. And I was explain what the store is now, so that you can mm. understand the. It's it's again another almost a laboratory for teaching people life skills. So currently our, our point store, our, our store that we have right now is, is sort of housed in a couple of wardrobes in our um, clinician's office down in our Pioneer Center. And really what it is is the girls get to do preference inventories with each other to identify what it is that motivates them. What do they want to work for? What can they help each other in kind of getting for themselves? So there's things like body wash. I mean, everyone wants a certain body wash, wants to smell you know, a positive way, which is great. There's um, snacks, there are um, MP3 players, coloring books, regular books. So a whole bunch of different opportunities and ideas, small from an immediate gratification standpoint to delayed gratification with larger um, you know, opportunities. Bed sheets, we've talked um, many times about um, different ways that they could have like individual one-on-one -on -one attention with staff. Some of them really mm -hmm. wanted to have lunch with their clinician or things that they didn't have the opportunity to in a general program. Um, so we really wanted to give them those opportunities as well. Um, and the plan is over the next couple of months to work with a team outside of Kids Peace to develop um, a, a larger scale store so that we'll be able to get larger objects, things that kids would really you know, want to work for. One of the great stories that you know, me and Christy laugh about a lot we had a um, young lady, very smart, very gifted, had a lot to offer. Um, and she had this bright idea that, you know, her family used to put things, you know, in layaway. <laughs> so what she wanted to do was she offered, can we do layaway in our point store? So the idea of a larger object for individuals like the girls that come into our program who haven't had the opportunity to learn what delayed gratification really means. Right, right put something in an area that they get to see every time they walk in and earn points to work towards. So they don't have to worry that that object that they wanted or they felt like they wanted to earn would go away or be lost. They get to know that it's there and be able to have the motivation to work towards doing that. So the goal is to get that up and running in all of our boys' programs as well, and that's the goal for 2018. Christy, what's yeah. next for VAST? 
Uh, what's next for Vast? My goodness, we want to go. We want to do a wider scale um, awareness. We we know we're reaching people, but we've also ran into people, and they have, we have no idea what Vast is. We have no idea trafficking. What's that? And and so we're like, oh, okay. So awareness raising is never a job that's over. And so going a little bit wider scale with that, and with our partners now with Women United, um, really being able to reach that scope that we have identified as needed um, and really just continue to launch the coalition forward in a way that is led by the voices that are closest to the pain and continuing to work collaboratively and strengthen our champions like Kids Peace um, within the coalition so that they continue to be a loud voice as well. Outstanding. And we do want to give a lot of a lot of shout outs to those organizations that are part of Ashton. And there's plenty of room for more. So yes. if you think your organization <laughs> or you want to become involved, as yeah. I said, vast.org is the, the vast. website. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can take a look at there. Uh, our final question, mm-hmm. we always ask our guests for a life hack. Um, it's proving to be more traumatic than I anticipated <laughs> for a lot of folks. But what we're looking for is that piece of advice, maybe a tip on doing something, an everyday activity better, mm-hmm. maybe just something that helps the day go along yeah. a little bit better. So, Christy, we started with you, so I'm going to start with Dominic on this. Dominic, what's your best <laughs> life hack? So I'm one of those people who probably were a little petrified when this comment first came around. Um, Those who know me know I don't have a problem talking. Um, But truthfully, I think one of the things that really has come to my attention when thinking about what is something that I want to leave behind for the people that I work with or the individuals I encounter, and that's just the idea of reminding us to say thank you to the kids we work with. Hmm. You know, unfortunately, I think a lot of times um, in this profession, you know, the little things escape us. We're so worried about identifying what the next safety plan is, what the next, you know, um, life skill is that we have to teach these individuals. But what we forget to do is remember that when these kids first come in, we may be the only individuals that have ever not expected something from them in return for them doing something and talking with us or being with us or giving us a glimpse into the pain that they have felt all of their life. So what I tell my clinicians all the time is remember to say thank you for that individual. When they truly are ready to open up to you, that is one of the most proudest moments I've ever had as a clinician. I remember a a time when I worked with an individual who, you know, every time I would meet with them, had to make sure she had on a wig, had makeup, had clothing that was like really nice, and she really like had this persona. And I never felt more proud of myself as a clinician until that day when she came to our session without her wig on, without her makeup on, and really I got to see the real her. And I thanked her that day. And she laughed at me. She's like, why are you thanking me, Mr. Dominic? I'm (laughs) like, because truthfully, this you letting me in means that you feel safe enough and you trust me enough that you're okay with being who you truly are. And we have to remember that as clinicians and social workers, that these kids, if they get or, you know, if they feel safe enough to open up to us, that's what we have to hold on to, especially in this world of burnout Mm. and this, you know, difficulty with remembering those small things. I think that is something we always have to keep proud of ourselves as clinicians is we get something that many professions don't get that opportunity to do is we get to truly change the lives of the individuals we meet, and we should be proud of that. That's fantastic. Christy, yeah. your, your best life hack for us. 
life hack. I don't know if I like that term. <laughs> um, I think that I think as Dominic, I think Dominic was moving into my kind of life hack metaphor is that we really have to follow the ebb and flow. Uh, the world is always demanding from us a motorboat point A to point B style kind of bottom line business matters. And when you're doing work with people, you have to tack with the wind and and just set your sails to go with the flow and the, and, and the synergy happening around you and be grateful for that instead of feel pressured and crammed by that. And I think that applies to anyone doing work anywhere is to go with the ebb and the flow and not be like, oh, cranky about it, but really embrace it and and follow follow where follow where the wind takes you. I think that's a really it's it's a really good thing to remember that um, in whatever business you're in, you're going to have those mm-hmm. you know very well defined mm-hmm. markers or milestones mm-hmm. or goals or whatever. But there there isn't really a, a, f- a form of endeavor that you're not dealing yes. with people. Yes, and people are that. Those those crazy winds that yes. come out from the earth, <laughs> yes. and you do have to learn how to yeah. set your sails intact. Right? To them. Yeah, and you can't do violence against those people just because they're not what you want them to be at the moment. Right, so. right, right. And and you would hope that then, and Dominic, as goes yeah. to what you were just saying, you'd hope then that they would also appreciate that effort from you, right? Um, for giving them the opportunity to to succeed as well. Mm-hmm. And I think. Um, well, you guys have been great, and, and the work you're doing is so important, and, and uh, we really advise everybody to look into this. This is a problem in mm-hmm. our community, mm-hmm. um, but the only way it's going to be addressed is by the community itself, as you've heard today. Mm-hmm. Christy Dominguez and Dominic DeSalvo from Kids Peace, and, of course, the work of the Vast Coalition, Valley Against Sex Trafficking. Again, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for the time. And thank you for joining us as well. We look forward to you joining us again for more conversations with Kids Peace. Take care. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions about our Conversations podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Go to www.kidspeace.org to learn more about the series and share your thoughts.